Good morning, my friends. My name is Sandra Jarvis. It is 5.15 a.m. on this lovely morning in the Pacific Northwest, where my daughter and I are here and ready to record our very first episode of Sisterhood on Tap. We're sitting in our home offices, wrapped in fluffy bathrobes with steaming mugs of peppermint tea for me and coffee for Angela, and we're ready to open our hearts and our lives to each of you. But before we do that, I want to take a minute to give you a tiny bit of backstory about me and how we got here at 5.15 in the morning to record this podcast. So it's a funny thing because my kids have told me throughout my life that I have two personalities, a Sandra side that people generally relate with really well because it's just who I am. She's slightly cynical, a little bit sarcastic with some humor mixed in that makes her very approachable. And that's who I am when I'm comfortable and confident in my surroundings. And then there's the other side of me. It's my professional side, or my church side, as my husband just recently told me. I was trained in this personality from as early as I can remember. It was a facade that was handed to me as a little girl, growing up in a severely abusive home with parents who were putting on a convincing act as the perfect Mormon family. My dad had a saying back then. He used to tell us, there's nowhere more important to be than where you are right now. And what he meant by that was that it doesn't matter where you are or who you're interacting with, you always hold up that perfect Mormon girl facade. And so I did. And at some point, I literally named her Sarah. I wrote to her in my journals, and I talked to her when I was afraid. And she's the part of me that has it all together. Sarah has served me extremely well throughout the years. She always knows how to act in professional circumstances. She's intelligent and knowledgeable. She gets the job done. And in my days as an active member of the church, she knew the gospel of Jesus Christ inside and out. I could always count on her when I was called to leadership positions or when I needed to teach a lesson or speak in sacrament meeting. But honestly, she's not fun. She's kind of bossy and not very relatable. (laughs) And, And she shows up at the most inopportune times and takes over when the Sandra side of me wants to connect and form intimate relationships. Having two sides like this has been a blessing, although I hate that word, and a curse. A blessing because I can show up with my perfect Mormon girl facade and take on anyone and everything without showing an ounce of weakness. And that can be a really awesome trait when it's time to get things done. But the problem with it is that the people who interact with my professional side never get to know my Sandra side. And the truth is, I like her a whole lot better. When Angela and I decided to do this podcast, we came together and started recording, but we could tell something was missing. We decided to do this because our conversations are amazing, healing experiences where time and space are suspended and we get lost in simply being present. But the minute we turned on our mics, all of that went away. Sandra went away and Sarah took over and... I knew we had to change something in order for me to show up as my full, authentic self. Historically, that happens in the mornings for me. I've gotten up early for as long as I can remember, 
to have time to myself to process life and gain a greater understanding of who I am. This is Sandra's sacred space where Sarah's not allowed. And the only side of me that shows up is the real one. It even makes me emotional a little bit to talk about it. It might be a little bit scary for me sometimes. And it might be scary for all of you too, because the real me is pretty open and not afraid to share the realities of life. So (laughs) hang on for the ride because you're going to get the real me in these conversations. I am super excited that Angela has graciously agreed to join me in these vulnerable and real conversations. Wow, I had no idea I was going to be emotional this morning. But here we are. (laughs) Obviously, you're getting the real me. Angela is my oldest child, and um, she's named after my childhood doll, who was my very best friend through the years of heartache and abuse growing up. In fact, Angela the doll is here with us this morning, too. She's sitting on my desk above me. But I didn't invite Sarah because this podcast is a place for connection, not facades. It's a place where sisterhood flows freely and is available whenever it's needed most. So welcome to Sisterhood on Tap. Are you ready to get started, Angela? I am. Let's do this. (laughs) Okay. Each time we meet, we're going to be sharing three things. Do you want to tell us about the three sections of our podcast, Ange? Absolutely. Okay. We're going to start every session with a Bloody Mary, uh, which is an area of life that we're currently figuring out as the apostate heretics that we are. Uh, (laughs) We're laying it all out and sharing what it's like to pick up the pieces after walking away from a high demand religion and rebuilding our lives filled with the purpose and peace that has nothing to do with the church. Um, A little side note history for you. Mary, the Queen of England in the 1500s, was nicknamed Bloody Mary because of of her reputation for burning Protestant heretics at the stake. <laughs> and we thought that it seemed like a fitting name for the first section of Sisterhood on Tap, since this is when we're going to tell you all of our doubts and heartache connected to the time we spent in the church. <laughs> um, we'll follow up the Bloody Mary with a cup of tea, that's T-E-A, thoughts, emotions, and actions, um, that we can use to help get through the topic we've just discussed. And finally, we'll have some morning coffee, a bit of homework that you can take with you to wake up your brain throughout the week and start choosing your life more consciously. And we're going to do it all in our PJs at five in the morning. So you're welcome to join us in your PJs too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do this. Hi, I'm Sandra. And I'm Angela. And we're a mother-daughter team building a community of women who are walking together as we uncover our purpose and do life on the other side of religion. If you're done second-guessing your life, if you long for a space to explore the true you, if you're ready to figure out who you could have been without religion, you're in the right place. Welcome to Sisterhood on Tap. Angela, how are you feeling this morning? I am feeling great. I have been up since four, 
this morning instead of five, like our plan. Oh, well, why did you do that to yourself? <laughs> I woke up with my allergies going insane. Oh. And then I was laying in bed waking up my husband and nice. decided to get up. So instead of laying in bed, I got up and made two loaves of sourdough bread. Oh, oh! I mean, talk about a productive morning. There you go. <laughs> Sourdough bread and a podcast. That's exactly. awesome. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take turns sharing a Bloody Mary. And I guess it's my turn today. Yes. So this is a Bloody Mary that I'm currently dealing with. And it's kind of a big one. Right. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Today we are going to talk about my relationship with bodies. Mm. I have a really complicated relationship with bodies, mm -hmm. my own body and just bodies in general. And I recently realized how much damage was done to me through the purity culture of the church. But I think it goes a lot deeper than that. And I'm hoping that I can describe this. Because honestly, I'm still figuring it out myself. <laughs> yeah. And so I've been working with a coach. Actually, I've worked with several coaches since I left the church. And kind of the stuff around my body has come up a lot of times. But recently, I was in a coaching group that was specifically, you know, religious recovery. And one of the assignments they gave us was to, to just write out all of the beliefs that we had about our bodies. And it was like, just free write, don't edit anything, just write. And so I started writing and, you know, I came up with all kinds of things like I'm fat and all the things that the inner mean girl in all of us likes to tell us, you know, mm -hmm. but as I was writing, all of a sudden I wrote the sentence, bodies are evil. Wow. Yeah. And that shocked me. Like that is not a thought that I have been consciously having, mm -hmm. but apparently it was real <laughs> because, because it came out of me yeah. <laughs> and, and like I said, it shocked me and it kind of made, it kind of made me stop and think because so uh, I'm a victim of childhood sexual abuse and I have struggled with, you know, with my sexuality for my whole life, which is not surprising. Mm -hmm. But I kind of have gotten to this point where I'm like, I've done a ton of work around this and I am, and I enjoy sex. It's not a problem for me, but I don't necessarily seek it out. Mm -hmm. And I just have gotten to this place where I've been telling myself that, <laughs> that I'm just not attracted to bodies. Like I'm just not attracted to the human form, you know, mm -hmm. that it's not that there's anything wrong with sex and it's that not, it's just that I'm not attracted to the human form. And so I don't necessarily, you know, feel the draw towards sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I've just been using that excuse for a long time. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's just your experience. It makes sense that you right. would just. <laughs> so, so yeah, but then I wrote that sentence 
And it really caught me off guard and it made me stop and think Mm -hmm. about what might really be going on. Yeah. (laughs) Because if bodies are evil, then of course I'm not attracted to them. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) And it has nothing to do with whether or not they're actually attractive. It has to do with the fact that I've trained myself to view bodies as something that are bad. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, let's unpack (laughs) that one today. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) So as I said, I'm currently working with a coach and we're actually talking about this, but I, um, and I don't really have any answers at this point because I'm not sure how to even go about thinking about this at this point, except that as I've been processing it and thinking about it, I'm just thinking back to all of the things that I was taught inside the church. Yeah. All of the, you know, young women's lessons that told me that I was (laughs) pornography. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Dallin Oaks who said literally that women are pornography, you know, and the ways that, you know, we have to protect ourselves because we might show our shoulders and that could send some man down the path of, you know, infidelity yes. and hell. <laughs> And heaven forbid that a woman's body should send some man down that path because we got to protect the men at all costs, right? And I just think it's interesting how those messages mm-hmm. internalized for me and and I came up with this message that bodies are evil. And I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I guess I'm curious, Angela, how do you feel about bodies? I have recently also been kind of realizing that I have a pretty... Um... I don't know, complicated, I guess, relationship with bodies. Um, I mean, I remember, I mean, like I got my first bra when I was in fifth grade (laughs) Yeah, and it was a real one, not like a fun little training bra. Like it was a real one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I remember in young women's being so discouraged because no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't actually be modest. Like, because I I can wear a shirt all the way up to here and still show cleavage. <laughs> and yeah, I, there's no amount of looseness in a shirt that cannot be revealing. And I, so I internalized the idea that my body is bad from super early because, because there was literally nothing I could do with it. And it was also something that was really confusing for me because I was like, if this is so bad, if I'm not allowed to have all of this and I'm so tempting and pornography and all of those things, then why did God give me a body like this? Yeah. Like, what was the point? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) why? And, and I think I also, I don't know. I'm just having this thought that came up as I said that, that like, I don't know. This is a, just throwing this out there. I've never, yeah, never right. recognized this thought before, but almost like, like God put me here as a trial for men. 
Oh, interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. That's a really crazy thought. <laughs> yeah, but but okay. interesting because especially in the LDS culture, there's so much emphasis on our trials mm -hmm. and how our trials come from God and our trials are to build us and make us better. Yeah. And so it kind of makes sense. Like, yeah, of course you would come up with that, that solution. Yeah, like well, why else would he have given, there's, I could never come up with any other reason. Apparently somewhere in my brain, I came up with that one. And, yeah. Ugh. Isn't that so fascinating? Yeah. That actually, it's interesting saying that because I had so much shame in dating and because I, I felt like I was trying to, like, I, I knew I wasn't trying to take anybody down the path to hell, <laughs> but I felt like just by like being me <laughs> that I was doing right. that. And so recognizing that thought, no wonder I felt that way because I literally felt like God put me here as a trial for men wow so crazy i obviously have some complicated feelings about bodies too <laughs> it's okay everybody we're both working with someone to help us get over these yes. thoughts <laughs> but it's so interesting isn't it because i think it's like we talk a lot about the purity culture like people rebel against the purity culture of the church yeah. But I really think that this goes deeper than the purity yeah. culture. I really think that this literally is a result of the um, the the shaming yeah. that is done to women. Yeah. Like we are shamed and taught to believe that there's that there's something wrong with us. Mm -hmm. You know that that if we are seen as sexy, mm -hmm. then that's a problem that we created. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you exactly. know, that we're a trial to men. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I think it's, it's just so interesting to see how that manifests mm -hmm. in our lives. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it's also like to think about how that has affected me and affected you too, I'm sure. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, that's a big thing that has been going on for, my whole life yeah. that, you know, yep. bodies are evil, which by the way, not only am I married to a body, <laughs> but I also gave birth to five bodies <laughs> yeah. and I have a body. So yeah. it's not how has that affected my relationships? Yeah. Yeah. It's something that I think about with my kids because I've tried really hard to not pass my own body shame on to them. And it's always interesting to see where it comes up with them because I've done pretty good. My, my children love their bodies. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> but I notice for myself, like the discomfort coming up and I'm like, why is this uncomfortable? You know, they're, they're little kids. There's nothing uncomfortable about their bodies. They're, you know, yeah. but it comes up in the, in the strangest moments. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I think about it a lot because of that. Cause they're just, they're so comfortable in their own skin. They, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's pretty natural for kids that age, especially because your kids are young, four and six. Yeah. And I think it's pretty natural for kids that age to 
still love their bodies. Like in the research, it shows that, you know, it's around the age of eight to 10 where, where we really start to question our worth Mm -hmm. and start attaching some sort of meaning to who we are. Right. Yeah. But I think that everything you do as a mom at this point in their lives is going to, is going to shape the way they view themselves. And what I also know is that there are people out there who actually like their bodies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or at least they seem to. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's, it's, it's something that like, I mean, like I said, I think about this a lot with my kids. We had an experience. This was a few weeks ago, I think, but um, I have been doing these like dance workouts and my kids think they're super fun. And, um, because I'm very well endowed, I have to just wear a very supportive sports bra. Right. And typically I just wear that with shorts or whatever when I'm doing the workout. And I definitely have a belly. <laughs> and <laughs> I was doing this with my kids, dancing with my kids. And James said, mom, look how big your belly is. And it jiggles all over when you jump. And I had this moment where I was like, this is like, this is a big moment. Like it just cross flashed in my mind. Like the way I react to what he just said is a big deal because like my kids look like me. They have my genes. It's very likely that one or both of them is going to have a body that looks similar to me. Right. <laughs> and I just realized in that moment that like, if I gave them a message that what he was saying wasn't okay, that they were going to hear that and see that. And especially with Ellie, because we tell her all the time how much she looks like me. And I mean, this all went through my head in a really you know split second. And I was like, you're right. I do. And it's super cool. And I like, patted on my stomach and jumped around and they thought it was hilarious and they were pushing out their bellies and running around and we were dancing and it was so fun and we connected and it was amazing yeah (laughs) and then I afterwards had to go like process it because (laughs) it's like I would love to feel that way about my body but it was definitely like I had to almost look at myself the way that I look at my kids because I love everything about them right and I don't feel that way about myself and it was so interesting. It was just such a crazy experience because. Yeah. Well, I'm very proud of you, my dear. <laughs> I just have to say. Thanks. Because I don't know if I could have done the same thing. I I mean, I've really worked on, on my body image and my self image, my self, you know, self-confidence and self-love and all of that. And, and I am leaps and bounds ahead of where I used to be. I mean, I've made so much progress, but it still comes up, you know, and it still is hard to just look at myself in the mirror and say, you're perfect exactly as you are. And that's something that I want, like, I, I want to believe that because Mm -hmm. I think it's true. Like I really, I look at it and I'm like, you know, I don't know if there's a God, like, that's just the truth. I'm, I'm pretty much an agnostic at this point. It's like, maybe there's a God, maybe there's not a God. I don't think there's any way any of us can tell personally. And I think that it is what it is and we'll all find out someday (laughs) or we won't because there won't be anything, you know? So, 
but I, but when I think about a God, it's like, I don't, I just can't imagine that if there's really a perfect being out there that he would create a whole bunch of imperfect <laughs> things and throw them down on a planet and walk away. You know, it's like, so if there's a God, then to me, that means we're all perfect. Yeah. 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 And the way that our bodies move and grow and change and adapt is also perfect. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I think the best analogy I ever heard, and I can't remember where I heard it now, but it was, it was the analogy of a dog. Okay. And I'm sorry that I'm comparing humans (laughs) to dogs, but this really made me stop and think, you know, it was, it was wherever I heard it. They said, you would never tell a great Dane to go on a diet because it didn't look like a dachshund. Mm, yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. You just wouldn't do that. It's like, there's nothing wrong with the great Dane. Yeah. The great Dane is the size and shape it is yeah. because that's who it was meant to be. Right. Yeah. And the dachshund is the size and shape that it is because it's who it was meant to be. Yeah. And I think that's how all of us are. Like yeah. we are, who we were meant to be and there's nothing wrong with us. Mm -hmm. We just have to believe it. Right. Exactly. And somehow we have to accept who we are and love ourselves no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't have a clue how we do that. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) I mean, that's not really true. I do have tools for it, but I, but it's a, it's a process, you know, I mean, it's a process of, of accepting yourself and being okay with who you are mm-hmm. and changing the way that you think about yourself and, and allowing yourself, you know, like you did, like, I think that's so powerful because the yeah. thing you did was not only teach your children that your body was okay, but somewhere in you, mm-hmm. you also taught yourself, yeah. your little girl yeah, that yeah. you were okay. Yep. Well, and it's interesting too. Like I definitely feel like some of my body image stuff has been healing since having my kids because I don't allow myself to talk badly about my body because I, my kids, because they're always around and always listening. And so from day one, when Ellie was born, I mean, it really, it started before that because I loved my body when I was pregnant because I was so excited to be pregnant. Right. And so it really started from the moment I found out that I was pregnant. But I, I mean, from, from day one, I was like, she will never hear me talk badly about my body. I don't ever want her to hear those messages. I don't ever want her to like she's going to get that from other places but when she's home I don't ever want that to be a thing that we do at home and it's been really interesting because I've done it for her but I've gone I mean she's almost 6 now and that's 6 years that at least in one place in my life when I'm at home I never say anything bad about my body and I notice that the thoughts are less like I don't have them as frequently and I find myself actually do sometimes I look in the mirror and I do think that I'm perfect. Yeah. <laughs> exactly how I am, which is not something that I ever felt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. No, and I think it's powerful and it's because of the way that you're intentionally choosing to do that, to yeah. make those changes. Yeah. And 
And that is like, that's what we do about it, you know, is we have to choose, we have to decide to intentionally make the changes, which kind of brings me to our cup of tea this morning, because (laughs) our cup of tea, so the cup of tea again in our podcast is like, so what do we do about this problem, right? And I don't have all the answers, but the thing that, that I know is that the first step of changing anything is just awareness. Mm We, you have to be aware of what's going on in order to start to change your thoughts about yourself, in order to start to change your beliefs. Yeah. And for you, it's like you, you had that awareness as when you were pregnant and said, this isn't happening, you know, and that awareness brings you to a place where you can start to make changes. Yeah. We have to be willing to open our eyes and see the things that are affecting us. And I think that's the thing, like with coming out of religion, Mm -hmm. there is so much conditioning that we receive from the church. Yep. And there's also conditioning from our families and from the patriarchy and from a million other places. Mm -hmm. And these are powerful sources. Like it doesn't just go away because we decided to walk away from the church. Yeah. And so we have to be willing to open our eyes and see all of the beliefs and all of the messages and all of the things that we were taught and that were just handed to us, mm-hmm. you know, because it's that awareness that leads us to accept ourselves Yeah, yeah. as, as who we are. Yep. And I think it's important to recognize that acceptance is not acquiescence. <laughs> doesn't mean when we accept ourselves, that doesn't mean that we don't change. It doesn't mean that we're like, okay, I guess there's nothing I can do about this. Right. Right. Instead, it's like acceptance opens our eyes to the options that we have. Yeah. Yep. And allows us to just become aware again, aware of what's going on around us, aware of who we want to become Mm -hmm. aware of all of those things. Yeah. Yeah, just noticing, noticing the the thoughts and stuff. I mean, that's been a big thing for me is just noticing those thoughts. Yeah. It's doing like when I'm journaling or doing the thought downloads for coach training, it's like, oh, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's like, well, I mean, that's how this whole thing came up for me, right? It's like I'm writing and this pops out of my head and I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't, I mean, literally before that, I wasn't even aware that this was a thought that I had. Yeah. And yet I think that this thought is, has driven mm-hmm. not only my relationship with myself, but my relationship with my spouse. Yeah. And probably a lot of other relationships too. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I mean, I'm sure it affected the way that I raised you and your siblings, the ways Mm -hmm. that you felt about your bodies. I mean, I just, I look back at how, like, this is a powerful thought. Yeah. And how has that affected me and the people that I love for my whole life? Yeah. And I guess that at this point, I'm like, I don't want this thought to have any more power. Yeah. Yeah noticed it now it's time to (laughs) somehow become aware and figure out how to go about deleting that from my brain (laughs) yeah yeah 
yeah, start noticing the areas that it's that it's coming up when it's when it's the very most underlying thought that's yeah. down there. <laughs> yeah, which unfortunately I think is more often than I've ever recognized. Well, I've never recognized it. Yeah. But yeah, so so the cup of tea for today is awareness. It's you know, look at your life and start seeing the things that the places where you're stuck and start looking at where those beliefs that are keeping you stuck are coming from. Yeah. Because that's, that is the key. That is the first step, the gateway to change. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's important too, to be, to like give yourself permission to just notice what's going on. Like, don't feel like just because you notice it, you have to change it. Like, yeah. (laughs) Like these are, these aren't things that are going to go away in a heartbeat. This isn't going to be like, you notice it and change the thought and you never have to deal with it again. Right. (laughs) Like there's power in just noticing the thought. Exactly. And, and then making a choice for your next move, just based on what you noticed. Right. And not worrying about making it go away immediately. (laughs) Yeah. No. And that's a huge thing because it's not about, you know, the awareness is not about changing it. The awareness is about giving you the option. Yeah. To do something new. Yeah. Because the reality is probably as much as we'd like to delete that thought from your brain, it's probably not ever going to be deleted I from your know. brain. It's I know. It's going to be that you're going to notice where it comes up and you're going to build new habits around those areas and new thoughts around those areas. And if it comes up, you'll be able to just push it to the side and say, oh, that's not true. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is really interesting because it kind of is the, so here's the, here's the morning coffee. All right. Cause, <laughs> cause you brought this up and I think it's really powerful. So your morning coffee today is to start asking yourself, where did this belief come from? So when you have a belief that suddenly you're aware of and you're like, oh, okay. Like me with this one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Then ask yourself where it came from and ask yourself, what's it tied to in my past? Yeah. Do some journaling about it. Figure that out. And the reason that I thought about this (laughs) when you said that is because it's the deleting from my brain thing for me. Mm -hmm. I may have picked up um, the habit of perfectionism from religion. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And... That whole concept of I'm just going to delete this from my brain mm-hmm. is literally, I just want to be perfect yeah. and do perfectly. Yep. And so I'm just going to delete this from my brain, Yeah. right? I'm just going <laughs> to let this go and never think of it again mm-hmm. because that would be the perfect thing to do. Yes. <laughs> How has that worked out for you so far? <laughs> Not well. <laughs> so... When you recognize a thought or a belief, then you've become aware. And so then it's time to do the homework of what is this tied to? Where did it come from? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's that perfectionism piece that just wants to delete it from my brain. (laughs) But also there's the, you know, the purity culture and the body shaming and the not tempting men. And, you know, there are so many areas and ways that I was conditioned. And there's so many things that I was taught as a child and by my caregivers and by the church and even by 
our peers, mm-hmm. you know, who think we should act a certain way. Yep. And those things could still be running the show and probably are. Yeah. Because as I said before, just because you walk away from the church doesn't mean that all of the conditioning just goes away. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) It's true. So, yeah. So you have to allow yourself to become aware of the things that you were taught at church, how they're still holding you back. And then your homework is to spend some time journaling about the areas in your life where you feel stuck and see if you can identify the specific thoughts Mm-hmm. that are keeping you there. I have an interesting thought for you that came up. So yes. you're, you're with your deleting from your brain thing. So just because you would delete that brain, that thought from your brain wouldn't delete all of the things that came from it. So if you could actually delete that thought from your brain, you probably wouldn't actually want to because then you'd have all of these actions and things that you did over the years that you wouldn't know where they came from. That's true. So you have to have the thought still there, (laughs) the awareness. (laughs) Right. So that you can make different choices going forward. That's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That is a really fascinating thought because it's true. Like I am, I, my perfectionism comes in a lot. Like my goal in life (laughs) is to be 100% healed from all of my trauma. (laughs) all of it (laughs) and perfectionism much i don't know well i mean that almost makes sense though thinking about the conditioning because we were conditioned that we have a savior that literally makes us perfect and so that's not even an unrealistic i mean that was literally the goal yeah you're right. That was literally, I mean, everything that we did was surrounding the atonement. And I mean, you spent years studying the atonement. Yeah. In yeah. depth. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's so it makes interesting. makes a lot of sense that you would be aiming for perfection because you were told you could reach it. Yeah. Yeah. So fascinating how that conditioning is still, even being aware. Like, I'm pretty aware of things because I'm doing this work actively and training in this work actively. But even being aware, sometimes it's just really hard to see the way that it's affecting you. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's hard to see your own brain. And that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That is really fascinating. Hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well. So there you go. Things to think about this week. <laughs> yeah, lots of things to think about. So as I said at the beginning, you know, I don't know how this is going to change or what's going to happen or what it's going to do to my life. But it's something I'm actively dealing with. And it's something that I think is I, that I'm probably not alone. Yeah. Yep. There's probably a lot of people out there who have a similar thought mm-hmm. and are not aware of it. Yeah. And I think that it is quite possible that becoming aware of this thought and how it's affecting you or me mm-hmm. could be life-changing. Yeah. Just the awareness. Yeah. I agree. So, that's what we got for you today, <laughs> sisters. Yes. So, before we end, I just want to say this, you know, this podcast is called Sisterhood on Tap. 
And the reason that we named it Sisterhood on Tap, well, there's actually a funny story. We'll just tell you really <laughs> yes. quick because it's been about five years ago that Angela and I and my other daughter, Kayla, got together and we were wanting to create some sort of a community. And we came up with this name, Sisterhood on Tap. And we were all still active in the church. <laughs> we thought it was way too risque. <laughs> our audience <laughs> exactly we're like can we actually do that yeah. <laughs> sisterhood on tap yeah. and so we didn't yeah. <laughs> and that, and then, we would drive people away <laughs> yes and so when we decided we wanted to do this we were like now is the time <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things i hear most often from the women that i work with as a coach is that losing the instant community that's provided by the church is the most difficult part of walking away. Mm -hmm. And we want to change that. We want to create a space where ex-Mormon women can find sisters to walk along beside them, yeah, to love them and support them as they figure out their purpose beyond religion. Yeah. Because we all need a safe space to learn and grow and celebrate who we're, who we're becoming. Mm -hmm. And so that's what this community is all about. But in order to create that, we need your help. Yes. <laughs> and so today we are inviting you to make that invitation to another woman who you know, who might find what they are looking for inside Sisterhood on Tap. Yeah. Because our vision for Sisterhood on Tap is far more than a podcast. <laughs> We want to create a community of women who come together online and in person mm -hmm. to actively walk beside each other yeah. in life after the church. Yeah, to witness you and validate you and you do the same for them and just go through life together. Exactly. In the way that we all wanted the church to be that I think very few of us actually found. <laughs> right, exactly. And so... We envision like coaching programs and retreats and book clubs and mm -hmm. local meetups and a Facebook group. And all of that starts here with you. Yes. <laughs> we can't create a community on our own. <laughs> We're right. a community of two right now. <laughs> yes, we are. But we want to be a community of hundreds yeah. and even thousands yeah. because we want we want to create this space where we get to be real. Yeah. We get to be vulnerable. Yeah. We get to cry. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I won't apologize. I'm not apologizing for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we want that for all of us. And so if you like the podcast today, then I invite you to think about a friend who you can share it with. And if you really liked it, then be sure to like and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode because yeah. we are going to pour our hearts into these episodes and you're going to learn who we are. Mm -hmm. And if you loved it, then consider leaving us a five-star review and rating because you know, <laughs> that helps us Exactly. Out. <laughs> and if you didn't love it, then don't worry about it. Just, you know, just move on. But together we can build a different kind of sisterhood. Yeah. And a sisterhood that you know, is not codependent or enmeshed, but instead it's one yes. where we show up with our vulnerability so that we can become stronger together. Yeah. That's what this is about. Yes. 
Anything you want to add, Angela, before we head out? Just join the sisterhood. (laughs) Yes. We have created a Facebook group called Sisterhood on Tap that you're welcome to come join. You can follow us on Instagram at Sisterhood on Tap (laughs) and on TikTok at Sisterhood on Tap. And so (laughs) come be part of the community, part of the conversation and, you know, and bring along your sisters. Yes. Because that's what this is all about. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thanks for trusting us with your time and attention. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Sisterhood on Tap. We can't wait to see you. (laughs) Or Or (laughs) whatever that is. Be here for you. (laughs) See each other. Exactly. That's it. (laughs) All right. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.